Welcome back, Missio family. Today, you'll hear Pastor Josh talk about how time is the most valuable resource God gives us, but it is limited. Even though it is limited, generosity with our time is possible. If you have any questions about Missio, you'd like to join a missional community, or you have any prayer requests, please contact us at missio.life. Right. So today we're starting a new series, so I'm glad you're here, uh, and it's called A Generous Life, and it's living in a way that's generous, with a heart that is generous. Now, we probably all know some people in our lives that are generous. Can you think of somebody in your life that's generous? Maybe you've got somebody in mind, and, and that person's fun to be around, aren't they? They're, they're a joy to be around because they're thinking about others. And they're trying to figure out ways to be a blessing to the people around them. And so being around generous people is enjoyable. Now on the flip side, you can probably think of some people in your life that aren't so generous. They're kind of stingy, right? And they're not as fun to be around, not as enjoyable to be around because they're calculating everything based on what's in it for me, right? They kind of have a selfish, small-heartedness about them. And so I think we kind of generally know that. And we all kind of strive to be generous people, right? Anybody here want to be a generous person? It's a good characteristic trait, right? And it's it's because God is generous. And so our desire to be generous comes from the fact that God is that way. And so we are naturally drawn to other people who are generous. So today we're starting this series about generosity. And most of the time when we think about being generous, we think about financial right? We think about money and we think about giving to the church or giving to charity or giving to someone in need. And that is one of the ways that we can be generous is with finances. But there are other ways that we can be generous as well. And so there are three things that we're going to talk about in this series. We're going to talk about how to be generous with our time, how to be generous with our talent, like our abilities, our skills, what God has given us, And how to be generous with our treasure, right? Time, talent, and treasure. Those are pretty uh, basic things that we understand. And so um, if we want to be generous, it comes from a heart that is focused on other people. And so really what it comes down to with all of these three things is a change in mindset. And I hope that I'm getting better at this. Maybe you need to grow in this as well. But it's changing our mindset from thinking there's not enough to know there is enough, there's an abundance. So it's changing from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset. Why does that matter? Well, because what we think affects what we believe, and what we believe informs what we do, right? We talk about head, heart, hands. And so what I think is true affects what I believe to be true, and that affects my behavior. And so changing from a mindset of scarcity to abundance is pretty important if we wanna live generously. And so today, today we're going to talk about being generous with our time, and I've probably said it, I know I've said it, you've probably said it, I just don't have enough time. Anybody ever said that before? Raise your hand if you've said that. The whole room, right? Like we've all said, I just don't have enough time. But if we think about it, is that really true? Do we not have enough time? Or maybe it's that we have enough time, but we've tried to add too many things to our lives. Like we don't have enough time to do everything that we want to do or we aspire to do, but maybe we have enough time to live the life that God intended for us. 
Maybe that's true, right? Maybe we have an abundance of time to live the life that God intended for us. So as you know, it's graduation time, and we're going to honor our graduates a little bit later this morning. Um, But it's that time of year where for parents who have graduates, you get really sentimental. And so we had my oldest son, Sam, we had his grad party yesterday, and thank you for all of you that helped out with that. And earlier, the week before, we were sitting on the floor in the basement. My wife had the photo albums open, and I went down there, and she goes, come sit with me, come sit with me. And we start looking through these photo albums, because we're making one of those picture boards, you know, you take the photos, and you stick it on, and then you hang them up, and everyone goes, oh, look at him, he's so little, he's so cute. And so we were going through the photo albums, and it's just a flood of emotions. I know we have some parents of graduates here today. Some of you have recently had kids graduate. So you know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh man, you remember that? That was such a good time. And they were so cute and they were so little and we had such good memories together. And so there's a fondness to it. But then there's also that sense of, man, I'm getting really old, <laughs> right? Like, where did 18 years go? I don't know. Like, it's just gone. And then you have those feelings of like, man, did I do enough as a parent? Did I teach them the things they need to know? And you start to ask yourself those questions of, man, it's gone. Those 18 years are gone. Hopefully we we invested the time wisely. But you realize in those moments that time is moving on, isn't it? Time just keeps going. We don't get to push pause on life. Time just keeps moving along whether or not we like it. And so I think it's good for us to stop a little bit, to pause in these moments. We can't stop time, but we can stop and just focus our perspective and say, how valuable is life? How valuable is the time that we have? And then how do we live that to make the most of it? So I want to look at a passage of scripture this morning. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. And I want to read a story. And so... um, Maybe you've, you've heard this story before, maybe you haven't, but Jesus heals a blind man. And so that's what we're going to read. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Mark 10, starting in verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and he followed him on the way. And so Jesus is walking with his disciples in and out of Jericho pretty quick. But, and I've read this story before, but there's some context here that's pretty important. Because if you look ahead into Mark chapter 11, you can see where Jesus was headed. Jesus was headed to Jerusalem. Now, a few weeks back, we celebrated Palm Sunday. We know what that is, right? Jesus' entry into the city of Jerusalem, riding on the back of a donkey, people shouting, Hosanna, laying down the palm branches, riding in on the back of a donkey to his death. Jesus was going in to die, and he knew it. 
He knew he was going in to lay down his life for the sins of the world. So if anybody knew their time was short, it was Jesus. He knew that he had just literally hours left to live. And so he's in this crowd of people, and it's busy, and there's all this stuff going on. And there's this blind guy, Bartimaeus, and he's saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Everybody's a crowd, shh. No, he doesn't want to hear from you. Be quiet. He's, he's busy. He's got stuff to do. Cries out again, Jesus, son of David. And Jesus hears the man. He says, come here, bring him to me. And I love it. Jesus asks a question. He does this all the time. What do you want from me? I want to be healed. I want to see again. So Jesus heals him. He says, your faith has made you well. He says, go on your way. And he ends up following Jesus anyway, right? It was kind of cool. But the thing about that story, I've read it so many times, but I didn't realize the context that Jesus was about to die. If anybody could have said, bro, I don't have time for you right now. I'm kind of focused on my deal. I got something pretty important coming up. If anybody had a reason to brush him off, to be busy, to be focused on his task, it was Jesus. But he stopped and he brought the man to him and he met his needs. Pretty powerful example, isn't it? Of just being aware of the people around you, realizing how important that was. And so Jesus was a master of living his time wisely because time is limited. We know this right? Jesus knew it well, and we know that our time is limited as well. And so none of us knows how many years we have on this earth, right? We know that it's limited, but we don't know how many years we're going to get. But the older we get, the more we realize that time's slipping away. I have a few less days, I have a few less weeks, and it goes. There's a quote from Dewey Gill that says, Days were plentiful and cheap when I was young, like penny candy. I always had a pocket full and spent them casually. Now my supply is diminished, and their value has soared. Each one becomes worth its weight in the gold of dawn. Suddenly I live in unaccustomed thrift, cherishing hours the way lovers prize moments. Even at that, when the week is ended, it seems like I've gone through another fortune. A day doesn't go as far as it used to. Right? Maybe you can relate to that a little bit. So time is a gift from God, and we don't know how much time that we have, but it's limited, isn't it? So my grandma lived to be 101 years old. That's pretty exceptional. My dad lived to be 33. Jesus lived to be 33. So we don't know the span of years that we have, but it's limited. So time is a gift from God, and it's good for us to ponder the value of it. Moses wrote Psalm 90, and this is what he said in verse 10 and 12. Our days may come to 70 years or 80. If our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass and we fly away. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. So he says, number your days. Realize that they're a gift from God and make them count. So time is short, but God gives us enough to live the life that he intends for us. But sometimes we feel stressed because we add too much stuff to our lives, right? It looks like this. Well, Monday night, the kids got violin lessons. Tuesday night, I got that softball league. Wednesday night, I got my small group thing. Thursday night, the kids got a band concert or some sporting thing. And Friday night, my sister and her family comes over. And pretty soon, we're just overextended. Anybody relate to that? 
And those aren't bad things, right? Except for maybe the violin lessons, if you've ever heard a kid practicing violin. <laughs> Sorry if you play violin, but it's a horrible sound. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? These aren't bad things. They're good things, but we put too many of them in our lives, and pretty soon we're just overextended. We have no margin. And then we brag about how busy we are. How you doing? Well, I'm busy. We wear it like a badge of honor. The Bible says, teach me to number my days to make them count. So I want to pause here for discussion. A couple of questions. And if you've never been here before, we, this is what we do. We're a family. So we sometimes stop and talk a little bit. So I want to, the first question is this. Why is it hard to live with margin in our schedules? Why is it hard to live with margin in our schedules? What do you guys think? It feels like if you're not busy doing something, you're wasting your time. Where do you think that mindset comes from? Culture? Again, we celebrate it. We make it a badge of honor how busy we are. If you're not busy, then you must be lazy. Maybe? I don't know. What do you guys think? To the Second question. What is the response to the statement? Time is short, but God gives us enough to live the life he intends for us. How does that hit you? How does that make you feel? Do you like that statement? Does it rub you a little bit? What do you think? You believe it's true? Anyone have any thought? Can you say that again? We shorten our times because of our lifestyle. How do you mean? Bad habits. Negative thoughts, yeah. They can take us down a path that's not good, right? Yeah. Yep. So do you think that uh, the life that God intends for us is a good life? Do you think maybe we think we have a better idea than God about how to spend our time? <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Think about it. The thing is, God is the one who decides how much time we have, Right? He's the one who gets to determine the length of our life. So time is short, but we say it's our time. Well, that's my time. Well, no, it's actually God's time because he gives it all to us, right? James uh, 4, 13 and 14 says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a midst that appears for a time and then vanishes. So our time really isn't in our hands so much as we maybe think it is. It's a trust given to us from God. He gives us the life that we have to live. So Jesus had limited time on this earth. And he made it count because he knew why he was here. Jesus was laser focused. I have come to seek and save the lost. He was about his father's business he knew that it was God's time, that he was here on mission. And yet he took time to stop in the crowd and to heal this man who's blind, to meet a need, right? So Jesus was limited, and he couldn't do everything, which is kind of cool. Like, Jesus is God, and yet he limits himself in his humanity to say, I'm not going to heal every sick person. I'm not going to you know, meet with everybody over a meal, but he did meet with some people. 
And so he was able to kind of keep himself focused on what was most important. But we say this all the time, my time is my time. This is me time. But what if we see our time, all of it, as God's time? Maybe our time is actually God's time, and every minute of my time actually belongs to my Heavenly Father. Does that begin to change my mindset a little bit? I think it does. Donald Whitney says, if people threw away their money as thoughtlessly as they throw away their time, we would think them insane. Yet time is infinitely more precious than money because money can't buy time. That's so true. You can make more money, you can't make more time. It's the most valuable resource that we have. There's a story that um, there's a man who had nothing. And so God said, I'm going to give this man 10 apples. And the first three apples are for him to eat. The second three apples are for him to trade and buy clothing. And the third three apples are for him to have a place to stay, some lodging. And the tenth apple, I'm hoping that he'll give back to me. So the man takes the first three apples and he eats them. I'm I'm fed. I got food. Takes the second three apples and he trades them for his clothing. So he's clothed. He's taken care of. And then the third three apples, he trades for his lodging. So he's got shelter, food. He's taken care of, clothed, right? And he looks at that tenth apple. Oh, and it's, it's big and it's red and juicy. And it looks better than the other ones did. And he thinks, well, God's got all the apples in the world. Why does he need the tenth apple? And so he looks at it and he eats it. And he gives God the core. And the point of that story is, it's all from God, isn't it? But generosity comes down to a heart posture to say, God, you gave it all to me. I'm going to give you some of it back. I'm going to give back to you what you've entrusted to me. And so it's like that with our time. God has given us all of our time. He's given us this life to steward And he says, I just want you to make it count and to give some back to me. Can you do that? So I want to pause for two more questions. First one is this. How how does seeing your time as God's time change your mindset? How does seeing it all as God's time change your mindset? What do you guys think? It's borrowed then? Wow, that was really good. If you have something, I want to see if I get this right. If you have something that's not yours and it's borrowed, you take care of it. It's pretty good. Anybody else? How does seeing your time as God's time change your mindset? Can you want to top that? I don't know. (laughs) We'll go on to the next question. Can you think of an area of life that you could steward your time more wisely? I know you guys got some answers for this one. How could you steward your time a little more wisely? Or God's time? I think on Sunday mornings I get a notification So he says on Sunday mornings he gets a notification from Apple telling him how much screen time you've been using. That's a little convicting, maybe. Yeah. But it just, it's, a, it's an awareness, right, of saying, this is time is given to me from God. How am I using it? Am I squandering it? Am I wasting it? And by the way, I think God, you know, if we have an abundance of time, I think he includes some margin for us to mess up. God is gracious. And so he's given us enough time to even squander a little bit here and there. Don't you think? I'm not saying we go crazy, like don't just go veg out for, you know, 
19 episodes of Netflix in a row, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, there's room for some mess-ups, but God is gracious. But it's a matter of being aware, right, of how are we using the time that God has given us. So being generous, generosity and priorities, let's talk about that. Ephesians 5 says this, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so what the apostle Paul is saying there is, don't be a fool. Use your time wisely. Be smart with your time. Use it the way that God intends for you. And Jesus was a master of this. Do you realize that Jesus had three years of time on the earth? Or, or, I mean, he was on the earth longer than that. But three years of earthly ministry? He started at 30, hung it up at 33. He accomplished everything within three years. Wow. I mean, talk about being focused and efficient. And so if we want to be generous with time and we talk about how valuable it is and we talk about how short it is, how do we be generous with it if, if it's limited, right? And I think it really comes down to priorities. How do we prioritize the things that are the most important? And Jesus was a master at this. He was able to say, nope, not going to go over there. Nope, can't be with those people. I'm going to focus on this person and that person and I'm going to heal this and I'm going to do that. Jesus was so good at focusing on the important over the urgent. See, there's a difference here. And some of you know, um, maybe are familiar with this, but President Dwight D. Eisenhower was a master at managing his time well. He was known for it. So he president of the United States, a lot going on. And before that, he was a five-star general in the army. And so he came up with this matrix. It's called the important urgent matrix. Can you put that slide up? And so this is how he would manage his tasks. Some things were urgent and important. That's the one quadrant. So do that. Some things were important but not urgent. So he would plan. Some things were urgent but not important. Down at number three, he would delegate that away, give it to somebody else to do. And then the not urgent and not important, eliminate. And again, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. You can snap a photo if you think that's helpful and you want to use that. But but what it does is it helps us to think through some things in life are very important. We want to prioritize those. Some things in life are just urgent. Like it just feels important, but in the moment, it's really not that, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't add to what we're trying to do in life. Does that make sense? And so we want to be focused on the things that are important. And Jesus was so good at this. Jesus was a master of this. He was selective. And he was able to be present with people, the, the most important things, right? So being present with other people is possible when we manage our priorities, when we're wise with our time. And so managing our priorities well gives us margin in our schedule and interruptions when people come into our lives. Um, so a couple years ago, I was at a church planners conference, exponential conference in Florida, and a friend of mine, a couple of us church planners from here, went down. And if you've ever been to a large conference like that, they have the main sessions or like 6,000 people. And then they have these little breakouts of smaller groups and it's more like a workshop. And so we had gone to this workshop and a guy named, by the name of Jeff Vanderstelt was teaching this workshop. And my friend and I listened to what he said and it was very impactful on us. 
And so we skipped the next main session, and we went out and sat on a picnic bench, and we talked about what we had heard, what we had learned. And we had some questions and some things we were processing through, and my friend said, well, why don't we go see if Jeff is still up in the room? I'm like, dude, it's an hour later. There's no way he's up there. So we go back up to the room, and we walk in there, and he's finishing up talking with another gentleman, and we said, hey, Jeff, do you have a minute to chat? And he said, yeah, absolutely. And he sits down in the chair, and he invites us to sit down. And I have a lot of respect for Jeff because of the books he's written. He's a great speaker. He's accomplished a lot of things with church planning. Uh, many of you know who he is. Just a very accomplished guy, kind of an important guy in, in the ministry world. Busy schedule, I'm sure. And he talked for us for the next hour. He asked the story. Tell, tell me about Missio. Tell, tell us about your church plan. How are you doing? How's your family doing? And I'm just blown away that he actually cares. He actually took the time to talk to us. And so again, I have a lot of respect for him as a leader and as, as a teacher, but I was more impressed by his heart, his pastoral heart, to just be in the moment. And it really inspired me to say, man, am I present with people? Or am I busy, you know, kind of checking my watch, checking my phone, got to get on to the next thing? But just eye contact, being present, that makes a huge impact on people, doesn't it? So a couple more questions here, and then we're going to close. Can you think of an example of something that is urgent, but not necessarily important? Can you guys think of something that is urgent, but not important? How about a telemarketer call? <laughs> right? Oh, phone's blowing up. Don't need to take it. Can you think of anything else? This might be kind of hard to put you on the spot. Anybody. What do you got? Just the phone. <laughs> How about social media notifications? Oh, what's that? What is that? What is that? You know? Urgent, not really important. So again, it's just a matter of thinking through how are we using our time, right? And the second one, second question is why is it hard to properly prioritize our time? Why is it hard? Because we're selfish. Wow, yeah. Getting right to the point, yeah. It's me time, my time. Don't interrupt me time, right? What else? Do other people try to prioritize our time for us? You should do this, you should do that. And we start to feel a burden of like, oh, I got to do this, I got to keep that person happy, right? Sometimes we don't know what's really important or we forget what's important. Yeah, and it's good to kind of come back to that and say, what, is, what really matters in life? What are the most important things? But if we never stop to ask that question, we just kind of blow through life. We look back with regret, right? So Jesus is our, our best example. I mean, look at his life. Look at how he spent his time. And I think it, what's cool about Jesus' life is all the rhythms that he lived in. Jesus went to a wedding, right? He had a good time with people. Jesus sat around the table and ate with sinners. Jesus taught in the synagogue. Jesus walked around with people. He healed the sick. He cast out the demons. He had a lot going on. But he also had time to get away, to be in prayer with his father. We even see him sleeping on a boat in the middle of a storm. Jesus just lived life and he 
managed his time wisely, and he got it all done in three years. That should be an encouragement for us, right? God has given us enough time to live the life that he intends for us to live. And we know time is limited, so we don't want to squander it. We don't want to waste it. It's our most important resource, but are we living generously or are we living for ourselves? I like what she said, selfishness. Like that, a lot of it comes back to that, doesn't it? Is my time my time or is it a trust that God has given me this life to live and I can give it away to others? And so I just want to challenge you this morning, who, who do you need to be generous with? You need to give more time to your family? Maybe you're working too much. Or maybe there are people in your life who don't know Jesus and you're like, I just don't have time for you. Like, you're too much work. You're too much effort. I got too many hobbies or, or whatever. Maybe we need to reorder our priorities a little bit to create some margins so that we can be available to people, make our life count. I want to end with this quote by Rick Warren. I love this. He says, when you give someone your time You are giving them a portion of your life that you will never get back. Your time is your life. That is why it's the greatest gift you can give someone is your time. When given freely, your time is a powerful and generous currency. Your time is your life. You're giving it to somebody else. Who do you need to give your life to? Maybe God's nudging you today to say, man, I need to reorder some things or I need to be available to that person or to those people. Time is short. Let's make it count. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you have entrusted us with this life. We thank you for the example of Jesus who could say in John 17, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. He accomplished everything in three years. And Lord, we know that you've given us enough time. You've given us an abundance of time and even when we don't get it right and we mess up or we just waste some time here and there, like, there's still enough time to accomplish your will. Help us to be focused, to number our days, to have a heart of wisdom. And just to be present to the people around us, just like you were, Jesus, as you walked through the crowd and you healed the man with blindness. You listened, you paid attention, and you were present. And so, Lord, help us to be a people who are generous. Help us to be known as a church that, are, that is generous in our community and individuals who have a big heart for others. So God, would you work in us today? Would you speak to us and challenge us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Josh left us with a few takeaways from this service. Time is limited. Time is short, but God gives us enough to live the life he intends for us. Our time is God's time. Generosity and Priorities Being present with other people is possible when we manage our priorities. Discussion questions. Why is it hard to live with margin in our schedules? What is your response to this statement? Time is short, but God gives us enough to live the life he intends for us. How does seeing your time as God's time change your mindset? Can you think of an area of life that you could steward time more wisely? Can you think of an example of something urgent that isn't necessarily important? Why is it hard to properly prioritize our time?
Thanks again for listening, Amicio family. We'll see you again next week.